Southeast Radio's morning mix. Southeast Radio. Let's start with a positive story. We've just had one, John Whelan there. Um, obviously, you're neck of the woods. Yes, absolutely. Know the family well. John's sister, Mary, is married in Ramis Grange to Patrick O'Brien. So look at Wexford is synonymous with ploughing both national and the world champions. The Kehoes would have cut silage at home when I was young. So we'd have a great affiliation always, both to the ploughing and the tug of war. So what I'd say is congratulations. It's well deserved. I just wish, to be honest, that it would be recognised that Wexford is probably the tillage capital of Ireland. Um, We are able to produce and sustainably some of the greatest food we eat today. And you know, John is part of that. That's where he learned his trade. I was very disappointed with the interview uh, from Minister McConnell that you did on Friday while I was listening to him. I thought they really just don't get it. You know, we're here sustainably producing food in the greenest possible way. And farmers are doing everything they can under huge strain. Right. And the weather that we've had this year, it makes it difficult for any type of farming. Like I raised plowing. all the issues with him, but I got the impression he wasn't for turning. No, you, got, you were right because, you know, the minister went around the country to every mart. He was quizzed by every farmer. I, was, I attended the one in New Ross and I felt like that what he was really doing was going around, getting Getting his message proficient, but answering no questions. And I, as far as I'm concerned, they're selling out the farmers at this stage. I attended the meeting last Monday night in Enniscorthy. Um, I was a little bit disappointed that there wasn't more voices heard at the meeting and that was just from the point of view that we did have political representatives there and bringing the message back. I know what the message is, but I think it's important that the people listening who aren't in the farming community understand the repercussions of people pulling out of tillage and farmers pulling out of tillage because it's no longer profitable. Another season, a season of bad weather can be detrimental. I mean, farmers are are at a loss. If it costs about six to seven hundred euros to put an acre of corn in the ground, they were offered 20, actually per acre they were offered 11 euros. Mm. Like what planet is the minister living on? I want to move away from farming for the moment but just in relation to slurry because one of the questions I raised with the minister and he, I, I mean he didn't offer any more money to the likes of John Boiler Murphy who was, uh, he, he gave me the disparity of 589 euros. I mean the questions are asked, he answered the questions. Um, uh, I'm not sure if people agreed or disagreed with him, you obviously didn't but he mentioned about slurry and if, if somebody spreads slurry today are they liable for prosecution? Absolutely and and he didn't From say From today onwards. Yeah, yeah because they're the, they're the silly rules we're supposed to farm by calendar and it just doesn't work. I mean what was mind boggling was the IFA asked for an extension on the slurry date and for two weeks at the time they gave them a week. Like, is there no brains in the Department of Agriculture? Could somebody not just look at the long-range weather forecast and understand that any slurry that was going to be spreading that week was going to be washed out by the rain? And the rain in itself, as we well know, carries a nitrate content of its own. To be fair, I'm sure there are a lot of brains in the Department of Agriculture. Well, well, we're we're finding it hard to access them because they then went on and gave another week's extension. Mm. But the reality was Mm. the damage that's been done to the land in this type of weather. Right. This is when they should have said, right, no slurry spreading for a month and in a month's time okay. you have a fortnight But to basically, get it done. If, if, if a farmer spreads slurry today, he's liable to prosecution. Correct, that's because the that's the regulation and directive they brought in. 
Looking at the time frame I have with you, a lot to get through in the time frame we have with you this morning. Uh, Questioning from a listener, could you please ask Verona Murphy what she thinks of the answer we got from our government about funding after the tornado? And this listener says, our so-called government again, like thoughts are running high. Um, Can you share with us, what is the the response that people got from the tornado, please? uh, First of all, I was at the tractor run in Clongeen yesterday. Um, The people of Clongeen are completely, and the surrounding area of the southeast are just absolutely devastated by the reaction to the damage that was caused by the tornado. It ran in to hundreds of thousands of euro and probably the millions when you add up everybody, Alan. There wasn't one red cent of compensation despite the fact that Mm. Councillor Michael Sheen sat at a meeting at the top table and told people fill in the forms, you'll be paid in three days. Nothing has happened. The The Taoiseach Hmm. met some of those aggrieved at the Collag show. He only this week responded to one letter of which I've received okay. from from one of the now, one of those. Just straight away what you've said about Councillor Michael Sheen, I will give him the right reply on well, that. Well, I hope you do because do. he didn't appear at the tractor run despite having it up on Facebook okay. and I can well understand people are very angry. We have had different compensation schemes for flooding and for different things. Right. I have sat with Minister Humphreys I've sat with Minister Coveney, all on the basis of Well, can of you tell me what was in the letter, Verona? Please. What was in the letter, essentially, is the Taoiseach writing back condescendingly saying you were in very bad form the day we met. I hope you've recovered. You don't recover when your house that you've put nine years of earnings Bottom into line, was there any is offer destroyed. Of, was there any offer of compensation no, there wasn't. in the letter? No, there wasn't. There was a recognition at the end of the letter which added insult to injury that we are aware that we're facing more extreme weather events and we would need to plan. Well, I would suggest that they start with the template for what happened with the tornado because there was, although they said they were aware of the tornado happening at the time and they've actually referred the people back to Wexford County Council. It's a joke, Alan, and it's a joke that the people of South West Wexford won't be carrying with them when they go to the next polling day, that's for sure. All right, look, there are two issues you've discussed with us this morning and you've raised a a number of points which I'm sure people will find contentious. So again, we invite people to share their thoughts on what we've just heard from Verona Murphy who's in studio here with me this morning. And both those issues, you can text or WhatsApp us on 0873737956 or you can give Marianne a call on 053-914-5222. RTE, PAC, the most recent uh, appearance of them in front of you. Um... You're very disillusioned by what's going on in RTE. Why so? Well, look, at uh, RTE is funded to by about £220 million annually. They raise another £200 million through their commercial entity. Having said that, there is serious misgivings that came to light and it was basically the narrative that RTE put out was that this was all about Ryan Tuberty and it was Ryan Tuberty being greedy. And he had a moral obligation in which to answer for that as well as pay back a €150,000 that he received kind of as an upfront payment. The problem with that is that moral obligation doesn't seem to transfer to the Director General of RTE, Kevin Backhurst. He, he has consistently refused to answer questions. There is a note of a meeting that would But make does he know the answers, Verona? Because well, it's only recently into the job, to be fair to him. To be fair, yes, but he is now making decisions on a note that was taken that would mean 
a lot to the PAC committee in relation to the questions we're answering. We need to see the note. Kevin Backhurst, who extraordinarily says he hasn't actually read that note, yet he is maintaining that there is legal privilege. First, it was client confidentiality, which we know doesn't apply, but can be waived in any case as RT is the client. He then says, even though he hasn't read the note, that everything that's in the note we already know. Tell me more about the note, please. Well, the note is uh, on the 7th of May of 2020. There was a meeting held between the former Director General D. Forbes, that of Noel Kelly, who was Ryan Tuberty's Tuberty's agent, and a colleague of his called Neve, as well as a lady called Trish Whelan from the legal department of RTE. Now, my understanding of what we already know from Noel Kelly, who waived privilege in relation to that meeting, on behalf of Ryan Tuberty also, was that Neve was there with him and the note was taken by Trish Whelan, but that there was no legal advice given. So, RTE and this Director General, Kevin Backhurst, have persistently come cap in hand saying that they need interim funding Mm. to the tune of 34.5 million and that they are profound and telling everybody they're going to be as transparent and they're going to cooperate and the very first opportunity that Kevin Backhurst gets to do that Alan, Mm. he hides behind legal privilege on a note that he hasn't even seen. It is not transparent, it's not been upfront, and the public's perception of that is, and I have hundreds of emails to prove it, that they're hiding something and something is awry. People have stopped paying their television licence at the risk of going to jail. Hmm. That is very serious and it should be taken very serious. The Public Accounts Committee members are elected representatives. People who represent that cohort, who say that they no longer have faith. They do want a national broadcaster, but not one where the perception is... So what in effect, uh, to make it as simple as possible, what are you and PAC calling for? Well, we're calling for full transparency and we do need cooperation. I mean, the problem we have is that Kevin Backhurst has expressed confidence in uh, in one of the executive directors that sits with him at PAC. Unfortunately, we don't have the same confidence because we have vast contradictory evidence that has been given by him. So it would appear to the committee the old guard is continuing. And I think that Paula Mulhooley, who is the legal um, advisor, says, you know, that there's a principle whereby a precedent may be set. That's not correct. My advice from a senior council and a number of senior councils that various members of PAC Mm. have spoken to is that precedent won't be created because this is a very unique set of circumstances. And on the basis of public interest, that note should be handed over to the committee. And do you believe that RT will be bankrupt come next spring? Well, that's what Kevin Backhurst has told us. And I think the reality of that is it's very easy to become insolvent where trust and confidence is gone, Mm. where you can't meet your Is this your shadow bills. boxing though? Ultimately, no, I don't, will, will, will I the government bow down and just give them the money? Well, that's a problem for the government if they do, because I think they would be going against every grain of what's happening in society at the moment. We cannot have yeah. this type of waste So are you saying in effect, Verona, that you would be prepared to, to let RTE go to the wall? Well, I, I am very much in favour of a national broadcaster. I right. am Like, you're not a national broadcaster. You do a public service and you're an independent entity. I have no reason to believe that the South East Radio 
news is no is any different or that you're telling any lies to the public over the national broadcaster. It is very important that we have a national broadcaster that caters in the realm of news, the likes of prime time, even nationwide, yeah. which we saw Wexford placed on recently. But the reality is we cannot. Okay. M- we must move with the times. And, and I have to say, like, I mean, my informal training was given in RT. I've, I've great memories of working there. And sometimes I feel that the core, the, the, the group, that RT has been penalised for maybe the mistakes of a few. No, I think the reality is we now have a DG who uh, formerly was employed by RT. He's come back as the Director General and he, we ask, I ask a question about the resignation which was well publicised of the Chief Financial Officer last week. Now, Alan, if you resigned from South East Radio, I don't think anyone would be running up to you with the severance package. You resign, you resign. The thing is, this severance, there apparently has been a severance package that the Director General says he can't discuss. This is public money and we cannot have a situation where okay. it's one rule and his moral obligation that he extends to Ryan Tuberty does not extend to him as the Director General we can't have one rule for them and another rule for everyone else. Okay it's strong stuff and it's the views expressed by you Verona on the programme this morning. Before we conclude I want you to just in the time frame I have left to analyse um, uh, Dr. Ray Griffin in studio with me. He he revisited. He was uh, well over a year since he was last here. He described Wexford as a third tier county. He was he believes there is improvement. There's a lot of employment, but once again, we seem to be on the back burner when it comes to IDA jobs. You listen to his podcast in full. Can I get your view on what you heard, please? Yeah, absolutely. I agree with Ray. I think it's despicable that we are actually seeing no foreign direct investment. As a matter of fact, he'll have told you we're gone back. Backwards. I mean, there was an announcement in Enniscorthy of 100 jobs being created. That transpired to actually being redundancies in the short term at BD Medical. So I think what we're looking at here is an infrastructure in the county that doesn't lend to foreign direct investment. We have a beautiful county. We have wonderful people, but 10,000 of which travel out of Wexford daily to try and make ends meet because they are in foreign direct jobs or higher paying jobs outside the county Wexford. And I think what we've got to do is housing is predominantly an issue all over the country but it's particularly bad in Wexford. I speak to our own indigenous companies many of whom can't attract or grow because they don't have anywhere to place or house those that they might bring in in employment. So it's a huge, huge issue. Housing I would love to see a plan. You know at the moment we don't have any zoned lands for uh, basically large developments. That's a real issue but also we're not the campus is far too slow. Right, and can I, I, I just stop you about the campus and ask you, where do you see uh, the, the campus? Do you see a university campus in Wexford within the next 10 years? Yes, I do, because I'm a product of that campus. I came out of that having attained a degree at night time, which I would never have been able to do because I was working, I was a single mother, and the fact that I could go to college at night time meant right. the world to me, and it didn't cost me a lot because I didn't have to get a bit, you know, I was able to do it at night time. But Alan, I heard George Lawler here in the studio he was aghast at the fact that there was 176 days of a delay from the CPO. I'm not sure George is a councillor for some 20 years. The next step in the CPO process is to issue the notice to treat. Issuing the notice to treat means that we actually take possession of the land but that arbitration goes on until such time as they agree a figure for those lands. And that arbitration can only be challenged in the court on a point of law. Why in the name of God 
Wexford County Council didn't issue a notice to treat the week after that the CPO was granted by Onboard Panola is beyond me. Okay. And as a councillor, I don't know why George doesn't know that and why he's actually talking right. about a planning application because they should have all been ready to go and it's the notice to treat that delays the whole process. Well, now that's Councillor Michael Sheen and Councillor George Waller. I now have to go back to give them the right to reply in both those instances there. Um, and, and if I could just say also, we have very, we have a lot of politicians that are down in Rosslare lauding the fact of how the progress of Rosslare is going on. People of Wexford need to know there's 200 million that varies from 170 to 220 yeah. being put into Rosslare. That's okay. European money, uh, Alan. European money, not one penny of the Irish taxpayers' money is right. going into Rosslare. And I to possibly will jobs. have to add uh, Kevin Backhurst to the uh, list of people you've given me the right to get a reply from because it's up to them to respond to the criticism you've levelled at uh, the, the people here this morning. Seven years ago, I was told that once we have the property solutions in place, the IDA jobs will come. However, the properties are in place, but the IDA is not still not delivering. Uh, I'm n- never going to be on the IDA's Christmas card list, by the way. Nor I. The day I, I, the day I get one, I will jump for joy. But the last <laughs> but day we spoke about the IDA, I had met the director, CEO of the IDA, along with the Southeast Regional mm. Director. Mm. And what Mary Buckley had to say was that, basically, when somebody wishes to invest in our Ireland, yeah. they ask them what their needs are and then they look at where we're suitable. Okay. And what she's saying is that we have issues here in Wexford that do not encourage FDI. And to me, our county development plan needs to be looked at very, very quickly okay. in relation to how we might start to attract right. foreign directors. I have to have one final question and I've gone over time, but my final question to you is, it's very easy to be on the outside looking in. It's very easy to sit in the fence in opposition. Now this is not my personal thought, but these are thoughts that are expressed to me. So when you or somebody in Sinn Féin or someone in an opposition party raises issues like you've raised with me this morning, Verona, you have been described to me as being populist. You have been described that if you were in power you would do things differently. Someone suggested to me, would Verona not think of joining Sinn Féin, joint forces and in the, in the off chance that uh, there's a change of power, put yourself in a position to be a senior government minister. There are people who see that you have the potential to be a senior government minister. Very easy to be on the outside looking in when you're in opposition. That's well, a general gist. Well, What's well, your response Well, to there's it? nothing easy about it. I Would work, you join I work 18 hours a day. I am an independent TD. Mm. I am, but I am, can you make what, a change as an independent well, TD? Well, let me answer the question first. Okay. I'll tell you the changes I've made. We have elected representatives in this county for 20 odd years. I brought Bernard Gloucester, the CEO, to Wexford mm-hmm. to visit Windmill Therapeutic and to visit Comus. They've received their funding on the recommendation of the HSE CEO. Okay. I, that was something that but, but, other TD I have gone way over time, Verona. The question I'm asking to you, can you make real change in opposition? Is that not real change? Well, Rosslare, your report, I was the only advocate. James Brown was the one who said we couldn't invest public Mm. monies because we didn't own it. He's reversed that on Facebook this week where he says he advocated for that. I mean, they really must think people are stupid. I have... You're going to remain independent. I'm going to remain independent and the next day that the electorate are out, they will decide whether I'm re-elected. But I can assure you, I am very effective in opposition, being able to bring the CEO of the Health Authority to Wexford, the HSC, 
see is something that I'm very proud of. He spent the day in Wexford understanding that our Section 39s from reachability in Enniscorthy to St. Aidan's in Gorey, Windmill in Wexford and Comus, and there's okay. many more. Yeah. They are you didn't answer the question, would you join Sinn Féin? Well, the question, I've never been asked, nor would I even... If they asked I, you, would I, you consider I am an independent and quite happy, okay. and I feel I am very effective. Southeast Radio's Morning Mix. Southeast.